Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. Today, we're talking to Spencer Howard of straighttothepoints.co about how to save money on flights. Spencer is a travel expert whose newsletter shares incredible deals on how to book luxury flights to international destinations using miles, points, and cash for less. In this episode, Spencer and I talk about how to find discounted flights, why being flexible is key, and why you should avoid one common strategy that could backfire on you. You hear these three valuable tips and so much more. If you know someone interested in saving money on their next flight, I'd love it if you shared this episode with them. The show notes and our one-page guide to tips to save money on flights are available at wetravelthere.com forward slash flights. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Acorns is one of my favorite apps because it helps me invest spare change automatically. Every time I make a purchase with a registered debit or credit card, the transaction is rounded up to the next dollar. Then, Acorn invests these roundups in my personalized portfolio. Plus, when you shop at participating retailers or service providers, you can earn additional found money to invest in your future. Examples of current and previous partners include DoorDash, Liberty Mutual, Macy's, and FedEx. I've been using Acorns for years and love how much money I've saved up from all these small investments. Sign up using my referral link at wetravelthere.com forward slash acorns to start saving today. Hey, Spencer, welcome to the show. Hey, Lee, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I don't even know how many years that I've known you, but for those that, that do know you in like the miles and points world, like you are like the guru for finding all the sorts of great deals on award flights and how to use your miles and points effectively. So it's really awesome to have you on talking about one of my favorite subjects, how to save money on flights. You know, on this podcast, we talk about all these amazing destinations all over the world, but all of us are living on a, on a budget, right? You know, no matter how much money you make, there's a certain limit. So the more we can save money on our flights, the more we can have amazing experiences, uh, both being able to fly more often as well as when we are at the destination. So welcome to the show. Awesome. It's great to be here. Right on. So let's talk about some of the ways that we can save money. One of the ones that obviously we just talked about is using airline miles to be able to, to book your flights. I know a lot of people are kind of hesitant to use airline miles because they expire before they get a chance to use them. Uh, you know, they, they have miles and a bunch of different programs and never enough to really book a flight and those type of things, or they see all these weird rules that kind of prevent them from being able to book. What are your thoughts on that? And like, how can people kind of get past that? Yeah, I think there's a <laughs> there's always a few hurdles just getting started. One, I actually like to tell people to reframe from just trying to save money to trying to get the experience you want. If that's like I want to go fly business class internationally, great. If that's like I want to get four seats in whatever class of service I can get to go to Disney, that's great too. So it's just a matter of kind of setting your priorities. Doesn't have to match what you see other people doing, just kind of like achieve your goals. It's done, your goals don't have to be other people's goals. The other kind of hurdle that I see people face is either they get paralyzed by not wanting to use their points poorly, like not do it right. And then there's others who just kind of throw their points because they have them. It doesn't even matter what they're, how many points a flight costs are just kind of throwing them because they don't see them as having any kind of real value. Oh, sure. It's like monopoly money. So they just kind of like, oh, it's 300,000 miles for that domestic flight. Sure. Let me just book that. And obviously that's a very bad redemption. 
Yeah, and it's and and I understand it because most people don't really have the context to understand like what does that three hundred thousand American miles mean? It's a normal kind of first move, and I've seen plenty of people do it. But if you kind of take a beat, <laughs> uh, you don't want to be too afraid to use your points, but you also don't want to be kind of reckless with it. I think just learning a few basics can kind of help you find that path forward where you can get the value you want out of the points. Sure. Yeah. I would say like one of the, the first things I generally recommend people do, like say they have like 300,000 American miles, like you mentioned, say they have those and they're like, I don't know even know what this gets me, right? Just Google best uses of American Airlines miles and a bunch of different bloggers like us have all these different articles talking about giving suggestions on, you know, you can do this or you can do that. They give you some different options or if you have a specific destination in mind, what's the best way to get to Australia? I know you were just in Australia recently. What's the best way to get there? And then it'll tell you, okay, well, these are the different types of miles that you need. And that way you can kind of focus your efforts on which miles do I need? So that way I know which credit card or which shopping portal to use or whatever. That way you can accumulate as many of those miles as possible to be able to book that type of flight. So I think, I think those are like probably the two best approaches when you're trying to think about how to use your miles and points. Yeah, it's it's easy to overcomplicate. <laughs> for me, it's just like I try to put together kind of a simple credit card strategy. For me, I choose to earn transferable points that can be transferred to a variety of airlines. And then I've kind of selected one or two shopping portals that I feel like I'm going to get the most value out of. You know, if I if I earn a thousand miles here and a thousand miles there and I spread that across five shopping portals, I don't really have anything useful at that point. <laughs> but if I kind of consolidate to where I you know, where I know I'm going to need some miles or where I often need miles, then it piles up a little faster and I get what I need. Absolutely. So that kind of transitions us into like the second point is being able to get transferable credit card points that you can transfer to those airlines that you love and, and want to be able to, to use that for that vacation. So a lot of people like hear the word transferable points or flexible points, but they don't know exactly what that means. Like, can you talk about a couple of the different major quote unquote currencies and like the type of value that they offer. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of times when we're talking about transferable points, I mean, we're talking about Chase Ultimate Rewards, Amex Membership Rewards, Built Rewards, City Thank You Points, Capital One Miles. All of these programs have airline transfer partners and some hotel transfer partners. And you can earn miles or points with these credit cards and then transfer them to any of these airline partners. And so it's just a matter of, figuring out which airline partner you need for a particular booking. It just opens up so many more options. And if you earn, let's, I mean, let's stick with the American <laughs> American miles. Like if you have a, a City or Barclays card that earns American miles, you are locked in to booking whatever American miles can book. And that may, that may be great. They have some great redemptions. But let's say there's nothing on American flights or even their partners. Now you're just kind of stuck with miles you can't use. <laughs> so... If you have these transferable points that you've earned through credit cards, you can then transfer them to a different program. Let's just say like United as a simple example. And now all of a sudden you can look for United Flights and their partners. And you just, you've opened yourself up to lots of options and prevented you from being kind of caught <laughs> with nothing. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say this is like transferable points are, are fantastic. And there are a lot of different transfer partners, both from airlines as well as hotels. But don't transfer them until you are ready to book because once you transfer them, it's it's a one-way door. Yeah. And once it goes through that door, it's locked and you cannot transfer them back 
face slam that door shut. Yeah. Um, and people get caught by that. And I, I hate seeing it, but it's, I mean, I try to remind people, but it's, uh, you can get kind of excited about like, oh, I want to use this program. And then you haven't actually found the award space yet to book. And then there isn't any when you go to look. And so it's just like, just be patient. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Well, the other thing is that sometimes airlines will allow you to put a reservation on hold. That way you can transfer the, the points once you've figured out what's available. And then the other thing is that what's really cool with some of these transferable point programs is that some of them have the same partners, right? Air France is a good one, like with their Flying Blue program, that multiple of these of these currencies all transfer to uh, Air France. So say you have 50000 with one program and another 100000 with another, you can transfer both of those buckets of points to Air France, and now you have 150000 whereas before maybe you didn't have enough to be able to book your entire flight. You transfer both of them to that same program, now you uh, probably have enough for whatever redemption you want to be able to do. Yeah, absolutely. I, I often say let your let your points play together. And when you have transferable points across two, three, four programs, that's exactly right. You can just you can pull them all into one. Or in another way, uh, one of the examples I like is if you if you want to book a Hyatt stay, Chase Ultimate Awards and Built Rewards are the only two programs that transfer to Hyatt. So if you also have say Amex and Capital One points, you could transfer all those points to Aeroplan, but like don't transfer the built and chase points to Aeroplan, transfer the Amex and Capital One so you can save the chase and built points so that you can book a Hyatt hotel. So it's just a, a matter of kind of piecing things together and seeing the kind of, we'll say multiple variables of your trip. Oh, sure. That makes a lot of sense. Now, the next thing is uh, signing up for flight deal newsletters. I know there's a lot of different newsletters out there that that focus on these really cool deals where maybe it's a mistake fair, or maybe it's just like you know, a great deal that's that's available out there. A lot of the ones that I found are all focusing on like cash fares, you know, that you're booking it you know, with cash or you with your flexible points, you know, using them like they are cash. I think yours is the only one that I've seen that actually uh, focuses on award fares versus cash fares. So a couple of the ones that I've looked at, uh, Dollar Flight Club, Scott's Cheap Flights, Secret Flying, Skyscanner, and The Flight Deal. Uh, those are all fo- kind of focusing on cash fares, and generally you'll you'll put in like your destination. Like for me, I'm in Nashville. I know you're uh, primarily based in DC, so you put like here's the the spot that I want deals from. And I would suggest if there are other airports that are nearby, like you obviously have multiple airports very close to you. Uh, me, you know, I might put in Atlanta too because I'm willing to make a four hour drive to Atlanta if I can save 500 bucks, a thousand bucks or whatever for each one of our tickets, that might be a great deal as well. But, uh, and then obviously, like I said, like yours is straight to the points. Can you tell us a little bit about like what you think about flight deal newsletters? Obviously you are in favor of them since you, <laughs> since you own one, but for, for people that are interested in it, I know there are free versions as well as like upgrades to like the paid version has a little bit more features and benefits. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I mean, I I subscribe to some flight deal newsletters for the cash fare side of things. I I send a few cash fares, but my focus is using points and miles to book award tickets, uh, specifically in, in, on international flights and business and first class. They're great ways to kind of, I mean, not only just get the deal, like see something, go, oh, okay, yeah, I want to book that, find the dates and go for it. But you can, I think you can learn a lot just by seeing what is sent. Um, if it's a cash fare deal, you can start to see patterns of like, oh, I see a lot of these options out of this airport to this region, say like New York to Europe, or maybe LA to 
Japan, I don't know, like whatever you're just, you'll start to see patterns. And I think that can be helpful too, just for your own <laughs> kind of research purposes. When you start thinking, even if you're not booking one of the deals, but once you start thinking about where you want to fly, now you kind of have some context for your search and you can say, Hey, let me start here. I think I'll be able to like figure something out that way. And then from, in my case, when it comes to like award space, yes, I send you my premium members get the exact dates to book. But I also provide them like an analysis of the best ways to book based on like the points they have. So kind of takes the guesswork out of it, but also helps you start to learn a bit how to think about using your points. So I find them to both be educational and just kind of practical in the moment uh, tools. For sure. That makes a lot of sense. And kind of like I mentioned also, as far as airports that you're willing to drive to, also think about airports that are an easy flight. You know, for me from here in Nashville, obviously there's not a lot of great international deals flying out of Nashville because really we only service a couple different international airports, but you know, it's a cheap flight for me to go to Atlanta. It's a cheap flight for me to get up to Chicago. And so based on that, like I might include those, you know, cheap intermediate airports. That way I can look for deals out of Chicago because there's way more deals out of there than there are out of Nashville. And maybe it's a, you know, $50, $70, whatever flight on Southwest. And I found an amazing deal either through your your newsletter or one of the other ones. Yeah, I think positioning flights are key to kind of playing the travel game, we'll call it. And just to be clear, a positioning flight uh, is a, basically you're going to book an itinerary, we'll say abroad, that's your main itinerary. And then a positioning flight would be a separate ticket. Like you've booked this entirely separate and just to get you to the starting point of your main ticket. So for Lee, like if you're, you want to book a Chicago to London ticket, but there's no award space from Nashville to Chicago, you could book a separate either cash ticket or award ticket to position yourself for that next flight. I do that a lot myself from DC to New York. <laughs> New York just has a lot more, <laughs> a lot more options. Yeah. We just, we just did that for my daughter went to Madrid for a, a soccer camp and I couldn't find an originating flight out of Nashville when I was looking at award space, but I found one out of, out of Atlanta. So we just took a Southwest flight over to Atlanta. And then on the way home, we had a direct flight from London down here to Nashville. So that was, that was awesome. Yeah. And it's the one thing I will say when you do the positioning flights is if your positioning flight is late and you miss <laughs> the flight out for your main itinerary, they don't care. Like you're on your own. So I always try to tell people to like, Give yourself a wide margin um, for delays, uh, especially in the winter if you're traveling north, especially. Sometimes I've even overnighted it. That can actually be a fun way to kind of make two trips out of one. Like I'll fly up to New York and see some friends for an evening and then fly out the next day. Otherwise, what I try to do flying from DC to New York is leave like one or two flights in between mine and basically the last one I can take before I'm going to miss the main itinerary. Um, that way, if I just like, you know, if my flight's canceled, maybe I can get onto the next flight or two. So it's just a, you know, it's, it's just hedging a little bit, you know, <laughs> considering the risks. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So that's kind of how I approach it. Cause like no, nobody wants to like book a dream trip to Europe and then like miss it because there was a small delay <laughs> at their home airport. Like that would be <laughs> Uh, that would be absolutely miserable. And it's happened to people. So I try to always think this is an important piece. <laughs> Hedge your bets, basically. Focus on an airline that has good reliability. Don't do yeah. spirit. <laughs> no so, allegiance. <laughs> <laughs> now, one of the other things that kind of some of these newsletters will post, a lot of times it's more on a Twitter account or social media. 
is like mistake fares, right? Like somebody fat fingered a, a number in the system or somebody transposed a number or, or whatever. Next thing you know, you got this really amazing flight for not a lot of money. And generally they're only available for a limited time. Sometimes they honor them. Sometimes they don't. What are your thoughts on mistake fares and you know, people booking those? Well, this is like the hill that I'm going to die on at some point because I refuse to call anything a mistake fare. I call them great marketing opportunities for airlines. And part of the reason is websites have called fare deals mistakes in the past and airlines have used that as a justification to cancel the tickets. So I used to work in politics. Everything is a PR game. <laughs> like it's just like everything is just a good fare deal. Leave it at that. I, I think, I mean, I've booked fares that are considered like too good to be true and some stick, some don't. I'm always willing to do it. Like if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Like I'm, I'll get my money back and move on. I don't have a problem booking them. My my frustration with airlines typically stems from the fact that they cancel tickets and they say, oh, this was a mistake, clearly a mistake. But I was like, yes, but you honored one that was like $100 more two months ago. And it's like, how is a consumer supposed to know that? I mean, I have a, like a specific example. There was an Air New Zealand flight deal, business class from like Chicago to New Zealand. And it was like, they honored a $1,200 one and then rejected a $1,000 one. Both are very cheap, but like, I don't see how a consumer is supposed to know the difference. So for me, it's just, you got to book them and hope for the best. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I usually just sit on them for like a week and see what happens before I start making other plans. For sure. Yeah. Like if you're booking a hotel, book a cancelable reservation or wait to book it at all. Cause obviously I'm married and I have kids and generally they travel with me. So sometimes I, I, I see a deal. And I'm like, oh, I should talk to Anna to see if like, she's okay with this or whatever she wants to go. And the problem is, if you wait, the fair deal may be gone. So book first, ask questions later. Yeah, exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> the good thing is like either one, they'll cancel it. You know, say if something happens, they're going to cancel it anyways. Or two, if you're booking in the United States, you generally have 24 hours if you, to change your mind. So book it now. Talk to your spouse later on. And if you need to cancel, you can go ahead and cancel and the, no, no harm, no foul. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love the book now, ask questions later, but that's exactly <laughs> how I think about it. One of the other things is a lot of airlines now is, I guess it kind of folds into the, the, the deal aspect of things is that a lot of times they have like mile saver options where, you know, you can find redemptions for less than what the normal price would be. Like, you know, I, I know American airlines, we were talking about them earlier. They have like mile savers with like two A's you know, or they have web specials and stuff like that. And so sometimes you can find these really great deals that are less than the normal published price. Yeah. My kind of go-to on those is Flying Blue, which is Air France and KLM's loyalty program. They do a monthly promo rewards. And so you can get between 25 and 50% uh, off of the saver level award rate. For those who aren't familiar, (laughs) Flying Blue they have a base level, like the lowest level, they'll let you book a particular route, but then they will also price awards higher. So there are routes from one way from the US to Europe that are 55,000 miles one way. It could be 300, 400,000 miles for the same ticket, just depending on the day. So when you get these promo rewards, you're getting 25 to 50% off that 55,000 mile rate. So that becomes an amazing deal. That's kind of the, I think the most popular 
airline when it comes to those promos since they run them so consistently. And like we talked about earlier, they're they're one of those airlines that you can transfer multiple currencies in, so that makes it that much better of a deal. And sometimes, oh, it's so easy. The uh, sometimes some of those programs even have bonuses when you're transferring to Flying Blue and everything else makes it that much more cheap. One of the other things, you know, when you're looking at traveling, it's harder for me because I have kids that are in school and everything. But if you can avoid like the peak season of like the holidays or summer, you can find some really amazing deals there as well. Because especially on the award chart, award uh, chart side of things. They price the awards a little bit lower when it's you know less demand. Do you recommend people doing off-peak travel or like kind of that shoulder season where it's like getting warm, but it's not fully you know summertime yet? What do you think about that? I love shoulder season and off-peak travel. I just don't care. I'll go when I can go. I mean, I- I've wandered around Poland in December when it was snowing and super cold, and I'm more than happy to do that. Yeah, I think it's it's a gr- it's not an opportunity available to everyone depending on schedules, I get that. But if you're able to, you can open up a lot of opportunities. It's not even that like you'll use fewer points. In all cases like in most cases airlines will have just kind of a set rate for an award ticket and it's just a matter of the space exists, the award space exists or it doesn't. And so in some cases like you can, there isn't even an op- option to like use more points so it's just like you're not going if you're booking with points or you are and so you'll find more of that award space in off season travel and then also even if you're not saving money on the flight when you're going on those off peak you're going to have less crowds when you get there maybe the hotels are going to be cheaper you know maybe you're going to find more food specials maybe there's going to be some some promos on like attraction tickets those type of things so even if you're not saving money necessarily on your flight, there are other ways to be able to kind of stretch your travel budget a little bit further. Yeah. And honestly, like some of the sites are just nicer when they're not absolutely rammed. <laughs> so <laughs> for sure, like Trevi Fountain in, uh, in Rome is just a madhouse. It's so popular. And like I went there in January once and it still had crowds, but it was nowhere near what I'd seen from friends photos. It's just a more relaxing experience. Like, yeah, I know it's like January in Rome. It's not like when people think to go, but it was a wonderful time. Well, the other thing we're kind of talking about being able to flexible, I think being flexible with the travel dates is also a good thing. Maybe you don't have to travel in a different month, but sometimes when you're looking at the award charts or even what, even if paying cash, just adjusting your travel by like a week or even just a couple of days here and there, you can save a lot of money or a lot of miles and points by booking just a different date, whether it's a, the uh, departure or the return. That's a big way to save as well. And especially if you're traveling, like, like I talk about with me and, and multiple people with like my kids or my wife or both, that when you multiply it by multiple people, that hundred dollars or $200 that you're saving on one ticket, now you multiply it by multiple people. It's like, okay, well yeah, I'm just saving a thousand dollars by staying an extra night. That surely pays for an extra hotel night uh, in that destination. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes it is, and it's truly, it's just moving your plans by a day. It's sometimes it's that easy. Other times it's a week, whatever. But it's it's just the more flexible you are, <laughs> the easier booking award travel at points and miles is going to be. I mean, you can see that from all angles. From are you willing to position to a different airport? Are you willing to travel on different dates? I have readers with families of four or five, six people, and they will split up onto two flights. <laughs> Ideally, it's on the same day. Sometimes it's back to back, and it's just. Whatever it takes, <laughs> because again, like if you're trying to book a family of four, five, six people, 
And sure, you find a ward space for two or three, but there's still another three to four people you have to pay cash for. That can still be a significant cost. So if you're able to split up, it can really reduce the cost and make things more feasible. I, I totally understand that like sometimes that's just not feasible with kids, but I do have readers who do that. <laughs> they, they feel comfortable doing it with their kids, but it's uh, it's not for everyone. I get that. For sure. Well, next on the list is considering an alternative airport. And like just like you kind of mentioned in there, one of my favorite examples when I lived in, in California, one of my buddies, we lived in Orange County. He wanted to go to Hawaii with his family. And, you know, when you're in Orange County, you think of like, oh, okay, I'm either flying out of John Wayne or I'm flying out of out of LAX. And I said, well, you know, consider going down to San Diego. He's like, what? Why would I go down to San Diego? Well, first off, getting to LAX is about the same distance as going to San Diego because of all the traffic and like it's LAX is horrible. But two, he saved $400 a ticket. So for his family of four, that's $1,600 by going down to San Diego versus trying to deal with all the traffic and all the nightmare stuff at LAX. And it was a huge savings and you know, probably paid for the rental car and some of the hotel and, and a lot of the food and attractions just by considering that alternative airport, you know, and I think that's a, that's a great way of doing things. If you have that flexibility and if there's a, an airport that's, that's close by, like I said, I'm willing to go to Chicago. I'm willing to go to Atlanta from Nashville because we just don't have as a lot of, as many options as some of those other airports. Yeah a good example from LA because you even on international travel you can fly from uh, LAX to Tokyo but if you are remotely close to San Diego there's also a flight same airline Japan Airlines uh, to Tokyo from San Diego similarly there's the <laughs> it's the Ontario International Airport which is I think east of LA and they have a flight on China Airlines the Taiwanese carrier nonstop to Taipei so it's <laughs> It's not the airports that you might think of all the time, but occasionally you get these kind of, uh, we'll call them niche options. Absolutely. Well, one of the other things that I love to do, and this is why Southwest is my favorite airline, is getting a companion ticket. I've had the companion pass every year since 2007. I might have to get a little creative in, uh, next year to be able to, <laughs> to, earn, to earn it again because I'm running out of options. But a lot of different carriers and credit cards offer companion passes or companion tickets and I think it's a great way to be able to save money on travel because basically you're getting to buy one, get one free. Yeah, I, I think the Southwest Companion Pass is probably the sweet spot of the companion ticket since you can use it for an entire calendar year. Or if you earn it early in a calendar year, you can use it for the remainder of that year plus the following year. And that's like, that's an amazing, <laughs> that's an amazing deal. But even the like, I really like the Alaska Airlines companion ticket that you get with, uh, I think, both the personal and the business credit card that they um, have issued from Bank of America. And if flights are expensive to Hawaii, that can be a great way to get to Hawaii. <laughs> like, I I've seen numerous people do that. It's even a good way to book flights to Alaska. I mean, I actually I wasn't using my Alaska companion certificate, so I booked a friend and his wife to Alaska. So. Lots of fun ways to use those. For sure. Yeah. Like with Southwest, you have to, whoever earned it has to be the one flying and then you, you can, your designated companion and the good things you can kind of shift it around uh, multiple times throughout the year. That's fantastic. But like you said, with the Alaska one, you don't even have to fly. You can give it to somebody and that's a great way, great gift. <laughs> you know, if you're trying to help somebody out and everything, uh, or like you said, if, if you can't use it, then Hey, you know, give it to one of your friends or family it's a great way for them to be able to save some money and be able to go on vacation and, and just really enjoy themselves. Now, another thing that you mentioned when we talked a couple minutes ago about splitting your ticket 
And I think that's a great way also to be able to save or find the right itinerary, you know, or the right departure times and, and cities and everything like that is a lot of times people, when they first are looking for a, for search results for a flight, they're like, okay, I'm going to fly Delta there and I'm going to fly Delta back. And they just assume that that's the default and that's the way they do it. But sometimes you can find better deals if you book two one ways. And sometimes those one ways don't have to be on the same airline. Yeah. I don't know. It's ingrained in us to just like look for a round trip ticket. And that's what you do when you look for cash tickets most of the time. That kind of method of finding flights is completely different when it comes to award tickets. Uh, when you're using points, there's no need to lock yourself into one airline um, or even one airline program. If you can find a space from the US to Europe with flying blue miles on like KLM or Air France, you don't have to fly back on Air France or KLM and you don't have to use flying blue miles. Say there's no award space on either of them coming back. Then you just switch over and you, you know, maybe you use uh, Air Canada's aeroplane program to book any of the many Star Alliance carriers that fly from Europe, Europe to the US. And so now you've opened up a ton of options and you're not you're not going to kind of look at things and go, oh, there's no, there's nothing for me to book. It's yeah, there is. It's just a different program. <laughs> so it's uh, honestly, when I think about award tickets, I think in one ways. <laughs> I don't even think about round trips at this point. Absolutely. Well, the other thing is that a lot of times, again, because I have a companion pass and those type of things, I'll book both ways with Southwest because that's where I'm getting a great deal. But sometimes, again, because I book in one way, maybe another fair deal pops up. You know, price changes or, or whatever. Or even just Southwest has another another special. It's just easier to rebook the flight if it's a one way versus having it as a round trip. Or again, if I find something else, I can just cancel one leg and rebook it with another airline or with cash, whichever you know happens. Because if it's if it's a round trip, generally it's much harder and much more complex. You got to call customer service or whatever, and maybe they'll do it, maybe they won't. If you have a round trip and you're trying to cancel one leg of it. Yeah, that can be tedious. Yeah, the, and I will note there is like one main exception with booking one way is like if you have Amex membership awards points and you want to use uh, ANA Mileage Club, it's a Japanese program, they do require you to book round trip. But other than that, pretty much every program will let you book one ways at half the rate of a round trip. So there, there's just a lot more options when you start to just book one way award tickets. Absolutely. Like gone are the days when airlines used to like, charge you like a, a premium or a surcharge for like doing a one way versus a round trip. So yeah, kind of forget that out of your memory. They, that doesn't really apply in most cases nowadays. Yeah. It's, it's still there with cash tickets. I'll say. So like if you, especially if you're like flying internationally, there are times when I've looked at round trip business class tickets to Europe that are cheaper than a one way business class ticket to Europe <laughs> when you're paying cash. So if you're booking a cash ticket, especially internationally, you're, good chance you're going to want to book round trip. So just keep that in mind. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I always look at, at all the different options. Uh, one of the last things, which is a little bit more controversial than all the other things we've talked about is a hidden city ticketing. Now, a lot of people don't really know exactly what that is, but in some ways it's kind of good. Cause I, I don't want the listeners to do this and like get caught up into it or have some of the, the risks involved. But can you tell us a little about like what that is and like the pros and cons of doing it? Yeah. The, so with a hidden city ticket, you're basically booking uh, a one-way flight, we'll say from A to C with a connection in B, but you actually don't plan on going to C. You're just going to get off at the connection. <laughs> you're just going to skip the last flight. 
airlines do not like this. <laughs> and in some cases, you can save some money doing that. Yeah, that, that's certainly the reason why you're doing it is because, like, say from like here to New York may be really expensive, but if I go here to Atlanta to New York, maybe that price is $100 less or maybe even like half the price. And airlines don't like it because you are doing things where it's like you're going through that that routing. Yeah, so I mean, it's it can be done on just like short domestic tickets and uh, it can be done on a lot of different types of tickets, but it's 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 not something that airlines love um where it's like a co- I mean trying to think of a, an example just like if you're trying to get to Atlanta, but Atlanta's a hub. And so you've got this nonstop option to Atlanta from wherever you are. And it's a, you know, it's a Delta flight and it's really expensive. But if you, but if you book a flight to Charlotte that connects in Atlanta, maybe it's cheaper. And so instead of continuing to Charlotte, you just stop in Atlanta. Of course you can't check a bag because they'll send you back to Charlotte. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. That's always a risk. And, and the other part is like, if they change their schedule or there's a weather delay and they, let's say there's terrible weather in Atlanta and they're, and you're, they're trying to get you to Charlotte and they say, well, we're just going to fly you through our hub in Detroit. So now you're flying through Detroit to Charlotte. They're not going to, they don't care. They're not going to put say, Oh no, we'll send you to Atlanta later. No, they're, they're putting you on a plane through wherever they can get you to your final destination. Yeah, for so sure. <laughs> there's, there, there's no like, oh, I was really going to just stop in Atlanta. And they're like, well, too bad. <laughs> like, no, not- exactly. First off, I want to say thank you. I, I actually did the explanation wrong earlier. So <laughs> thanks for correcting me on that. But my brain wasn't really working. My mouth is moving faster than my brain. But yeah, so don't check bags because your bag will end up in the wrong spot. The other thing is don't attach your frequent flyer number because then they know it's you for sure. And you're putting your frequent flyer number at risk. But the other thing is like now, a lot of times, if your phone number is attached, your address, you're using the same credit card, all those types of things. Even if you're not putting your frequent flyer number, they're very smart and they can like <laughs> uh, figure out that it's you. And if you think you're being slick, guess what? They're smarter than you a lot of times yeah. and they'll figure, they'll figure it out. And the last thing you want to do is be banned by the airline or to lose all your miles and points because you did this one thing to try to save a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, it's uh, it's not something you want to do regularly, if at all. I do remember a story of a guy. I think he was, I think it was for work travel. He's flying American or something, and I mean, he was booking these like domestic first class tickets, and they were significantly cheaper if he did the same kind of hidden city option, and he just did it over and over again. And eventually, the airline just like pulled his status and miles, and was basically sent him. A letter saying either you pay us the remainder of what you owe us or you don't fly with us again. <laughs> like, it's, uh, yeah. You don't want to be in that situation. Yeah. I mean, and they don't like it to the point. There's a website called Skip Lagged, and it basically doesn't find every option for you, but it'll find some hidden city options for you. And like, I think it was United Airlines, maybe others who sued him or the guy who started it um, and tried to get the site shut down. Skip lagged ended up winning the lawsuit, but I'm sure I'm sure it was an expensive one. Absolutely. Well, that I think uh, there was another guy that was sued by Lufthansa. I think it was for for doing the hidden city ticketing, and it was not cheap. It was what they were coming after him for was a lot of money, and it's going to be far more than whatever you save. Trust me. So, yeah. the, so don't so don't do that. 
Well, anyways, Spencer, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing all these amazing tips. Like I said, you know, I have a family of four. We're always trying to save money on, on travel, whether it's using miles or or cash on our trips. And like I said earlier, you have a, a newsletter dedicated to finding really great deals for people to be able to kind of stretch their miles and points or to be able to find just really fantastic destinations for a lot less than what they would normally pay. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about your newsletter? Tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Yeah, for sure. So <laughs> I've been writing about points and miles now for six plus years. So it's it's pretty much my entire life, both hobby and job at this point. Um, but my Straight to the Points newsletter is built around finding multiple seats on international routes and business in first class, breaking down exactly how to book them with the different programs, letting you know how many points you're going to need, letting you know kind of what the taxes and fees are, if an airline will pass on surcharges to you. I give a quick kind of rundown of what to expect on the flights, and then I break down the different options for booking. So you can kind of decide which programs, points you should use to book, since there's always multiple options. Some are better than others. Um, and then I do a quick guide on just how to find the award space. But yeah, I think I think a lot of people like it for two reasons. One, they get the exact dates, <laughs> so they don't have to do all the work of hunting for award space. And then two the analysis of the best ways to book really helps people kind of learn, even if they're not booking that particular alert, they're able to kind of get a better understanding of their points and how to approach things going forward. So that's the newsletter in a nutshell. You can also find me on Instagram, creating content around how to use points and take advantage of credit card benefits. And my Instagram handles just straight to the points. All right on. Well, Spencer, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I learned a lot and we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Yeah, sounds good, man. Thanks so much for having me. What an awesome conversation with Spencer. I hope that the tips we shared help you save money on your next flight. You can find all the links we talked about today and our one-page guide to tips to save money on flights at wetravelthere.com forward slash flights. We want to say thank you to Acorn for being today's affiliate partner. With Acorns, you can invest spare change automatically on every purchase that you make. Plus, you can earn found money by shopping at participating retailers. This is a great way to easily build up your travel fund. For a limited time, when you sign up at wetravelthere.com forward slash acorns, we'll both earn $5. Join us next time as we head to Vieques, Puerto Rico to speak with my new friend Kelly Cronin of croninscastles.com. In this episode, Kelly and I talk about visiting the world's brightest bio bay, taking a horseback ride on the beach, and learning about the Taino culture. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, Please share with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app. That way you won't miss any of our upcoming destinations.